Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Thanks again for joining our weekly webinar series, Successful Strategies for Shaping Your Future, uh, brought to you as always by Club Solutions, Rex Executive Roundtables, and URSA, all working together to bring you the latest relevant information we possibly can uh, to help you. This week, uh, we're focusing on the formation and function of State Alliance is a really hot topic out in the industry. Uh, I'm Brent Darden, the uh, new CEO at URSA and Chair of Rex Roundtables. I'm still moderating the roundtables here. And as you can tell, we've got a really great and large group of panelists today because it's such an important topic. We want to make sure we let everybody uh, get information from a lot of different viewpoints today. So joining me uh, once again, as they do every week, I've got Blair McHaney, who's the CEO of MXM and the owner of the Works of Wenatchee, and Bill McBride, who's the co-founder, president, and CEO of Active Wellness. And joining us as guests this week, we have Pam O'Donnell, one of my new colleagues here, new for me. She's been here for a few years at URSA as the Vice President of Member Experience and Development uh, at URSA. And also we have Maria Morton, who's the brand optimization manager for Club Automation. And I just met Maria really just a week or so ago, and she was uh, so helpful in working along with Pam uh, with URSA to bring uh, information to the alliances. So thank you for joining us, Maria, especially today. Uh, then we have uh, two of our guests, uh, we have Edward Eikhoff, who's a CEO, COO of PFMG Development yeah. uh, in Michigan. He'll yeah. explain uh, his background a little more. And Kevin McHugh, the CEO of the Atlantic Club, which many of you are familiar with. And then last but not least, uh, Jeff Perkins, who's also on the URSA staff. He's the Assistant Vice President of Government Relations. And uh, he can keep us on track as far as uh, lobbyists and uh, their effect and so forth. So without further ado, uh, maybe what I'll start with is I'll let Ed in first introduce sort of himself and sort of his organization and just tell everybody a little bit about the perspective you're speaking from, Ed. Sure, my name is Ed Eikhoff and, and thank you everyone for inviting me to participate today. I'm with the Planet Fitness Michigan group. We are a franchisee of Planet Fitness. We have 44 clubs in Michigan, six in Toledo, Ohio. My role as COO of PFMG Development, which is the real estate arm of the company, is to assist with the um, selection and negotiation, whether it's a, a lease or a uh, acquisition for the new clubs. I'm relatively new with uh, PFMG, having spent a career working for a shopping center, a real estate investment trust. And part of the perspective that I bring to the table today is I have a, a long history in government relations um, in my former life through the International Council of Shopping Centers. Great. Thank you, Ed. Appreciate you joining us today very much. Glad you're with our industry now. <laughs> Kevin, uh, you're well known, but why don't you give everybody a rundown on you and the Atlanta Club anyway? Sure. Uh, well, thanks for having uh, me on this call today. Uh, my name is Kevin McHugh. I'm the COO of the Atlanta Club, which has a location, a 44-acre site in Manasquan, New Jersey, and a adult-only club in Red Bank. Uh, it's owned by Pat Laws. Uh, she's been in the industry since, I guess, close to 40 years, Pam, because that was when URSA started. Uh, I've been, uh, I'm, I'm a rookie. I've been here 27 years. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, one of the things I bring to the table is that uh, we have 13 different businesses uh, that are health, education, and recreation. And going through the state guidelines, um, we've had to do 13, well, actually 15 different guidelines to get open our other businesses in, in addition to the uh, uh, the health club, which we will be opening up on October 1st. So, uh, and, you know, later we'll talk about the alliances and how we got that set up. But uh, I think I bring the perspective of just being an independent owner, uh, independent manager for an independent owner uh, and not a chain. Yep. Okay, very good. So, mm -hmm. um, Blair, I want to come back to you because people do know, based on your title, that uh, you're with MXM and you own a club. What they don't know is that you also are leading the alliance there in Washington State. Yeah, right. We started the alliance a couple of months ago, and we've been very effective. We've been able to get uh, phase, under phase two previously, clubs like those represented on this call would not be able to open. You would only be able to open a personal training type studio. So, we were in, we got engaged with the governor early on. Um, we brought some new information to the table. They were, I will say this, uh, Governor Inslee's team was eager to engage with us. 
and to consider our viewpoints. We got phase two change to where clubs like Planet and LA Fitness and clubs that look like ours were able to open in phase two. Then the most recent victory was we had five counties stuck in phase 1.5 um, that couldn't open. That, that included uh, my clubs in central Washington. We got them to accept that fitness could move on to phase two guidance in the phase 1.5 county. So finally, my two clubs uh, opened on Monday of this week. Well, yeah, we're not going to hold you out as far as the effectiveness of the timing of getting your clubs open, Blair, but uh, right, right. Yeah, some good success nevertheless. Yeah. And Bill, uh, I know you have a long history of working, not you know, not just with alliances, which is a relatively new thing, but you've been very involved over the years with the regional associations of URSA, and uh, now I know you're involved in supporting the California Fitness Alliance, among others, but tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, Brent, you and I were on the URSA board together. Um, uh, prior to that, I was the president of MACMA, um, heavily involved in NURSA, FitLife, CCD, really come from a perspective of the importance of regionals working with the national organization uh, to have a combined strategy. Um, my hat goes off to uh, Francesca uh, Schuler from InShape, Randy Carr from California Family Fitness, and I think Corey Brightwell is also heavily involved in founding, um, he's from Choose, the California Fitness Alliance. Um, I've been involved with them since the beginning. Um, but I think the three of them are the are the brains behind putting that thing together and uh, Active Wellness has contributed money and has been involved in um, in participating with the strategy and now we have a current lawsuit against the state of California. So if you're in California, donate, get involved with California Fitness Alliance, it, uh, it matters. Okay, um, so Pam, I'm going to come to you next and uh, we're going to get into some of the questions about the alliances here very shortly. but. You know, Pam, you've been uh, sort of tapped on the shoulder. Uh, we kind of raised your hand and both and both got tapped on the shoulder at the same time <laughs> to kind of be the liaison between the alliances and URSA. So can you speak to just sort of what your role is and what URSA is hoping to do with the alliances generally? Uh, yeah, I, I over the years I've been involved in all kinds of different areas of URSA and, and very involved with the regional associations over the years. So um, it kind of made sense that I would have the perspective as these alliances were forming to, you know, how do we how do we work together? What can we do to make it easier for the alliances to form? Uh, how can we be a clearinghouse of information, get getting information out to the alliances, and really figuring out how we how we work together um, so that we're not duplicating efforts and you know we're really supporting each other um, in a way that you know, really drives the train forward. Right, so we'll circle back around and uh, I want you to share with the audience that are listening because of the topic, you know, exactly what some of those resources are, but I'm gonna come back to you because I wanna make sure we let Maria get a little time here. Uh, this is one of our, of our discoveries here in the last several weeks that there are a lot of people out there working on things around the state alliances, not just the alliances themselves, but supplier partners and other interested parties like Maria, uh, with Club Automation, who are really trying to put some information together as far as a reopening playbook and some other things. Uh, and they were doing it really to be helpful to a lot of their clients, which are, you know, a lot of them are not URSA members, which is fine, but y'all were trying to really be helpful. And uh, we had a big discussion between them and URSA last week, and now we're joining forces and collaborating on that information. So can you tell us just a little bit about what you were doing before, Maria, and now? Yeah, sure, of course. So I'm um, super happy to be here today. So as Brent mentioned, my name is Maria and I actually started in the fitness industry about eight years ago in the boutique market as a gym owner. Um, then began at Daxco, which is a company that provides service and solutions to the health and wellness industry across the boutique, club um, and nonprofit markets. And within that company, I work as the brand optimization manager for Club Automation, CSI Spectrum, Tennisource, Group X Pro and Motionsoft. Um, so each of these companies were built by individuals that have, you know, an in-depth knowledge of our industry and a, and a great passion and commitment to do everything they can to help fitness businesses grow and thrive. So it was kind of a given um, when we heard about the state fitness alliances that we wanted to do everything that we could to, to help um, get their message out there, to help them in whatever way we could. And, and we saw that a lot of the, the leaders of, of these alliances, you know, 
they've got a lot on their plate. So we wanted to do everything that we can to streamline their processes as much as possible and, and help them get their information out there. So Brent, as you mentioned, we have been working on a state fitness alliance playbook um, based off of some of the you know, the conversations that we had on a recent webinar, which featured Blair and Stephen and Francesca. That was an amazing, amazing conversation. Um, and we look forward to working with Ursa on um, on furthering that. Yeah, so thank you. All right, and uh, Jeff, can you just give everybody a little insight on, on your role with Ursa, and then we'll jump right into some of the questions. Sure, so uh, I, I oversee Ursa's state advocacy. Um, which pre-COVID, you know, really was focused on legislative efforts around um, a number of, you know, industry-specific issues, um, such as sales tax on memberships um, and restrictions on contracts. Um, also work on our federal advocacy efforts as well. Okay, thank you. All right, let's get to, to the meat of the uh, matter, if we will. Kevin, why don't you start with us? Tell us about how the alliance is formed and a few lessons you've learned uh, along the way, and then we'll let Ed uh, add on to that. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, we were the uh, last state to open, so I'm not very proud of that, but um, so we were number five. I guess North Carolina is kind of open, but uh, so we'd be 50 out of 50. Um, how the alliance uh, started in New Jersey was by a uh, kind of mistake. Uh, we were, we had a meeting, we, uh, Jeff came in, we had an URSA meeting with the governor's office, uh, and we uh, made a presentation early on back in uh, May, uh, early May, and we thought it went really great. We thought that they really listened to us and they were really going to be working with us. And, um, and we left that meeting and realized that uh, we did a great job, but there really wasn't much of a listening. But then uh, Jeff and our lobbyists got me on to a uh, to testify in front of the uh, the state senate on the reopening of health clubs, and they at the last minute canceled health the hearing, and I was really upset with that. And so uh, years ago, Mike Epstein of Gold's Gym and Paramus, Pat Laws, myself developed the the co the New Jersey Alliance to fight the sales tax. So I called up Mike after being really upset about the cancellation because I thought it was a slap in the face for the industry. Um, I said, are you up for opening up the thing that we had eight years ago for the state taxes? Uh, the problem was that we won once and we lost we lost the second time. Uh, and Mike Epstein said, sure. And then we also added Leslie Alderman Banks to that. And the three of us decided to start up the alliance. The, 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 we were able to do that because we talked to Ursa uh, we talked to the MFA, we talked to the WISE, uh, we talked to everybody that we could to get a mailing list to start off with. Uh, we had, my, my my marketing department at the time was myself, uh, Mike Epstein's uh, marketing department was himself, but Leslie, because at Fitness and Wellness, being a hospital-based uh, organization, she had some marketing people. So with the help of the New York Alliance, uh, presentation and the help of other uh, people on the Rex Roundtable and my crew, um, we put together what I think was an outstanding presentation that we presented to the governor. Uh, the guy, so we presented it, and then the, the guys that were on the governor's team decided that they had to leave early. So we only had a 15-minute call, and we presented for we probably prepared 50 hours for that 15-minute call. The the thing that happened though was it. That also incented us uh, because we knew we had to do something. So we then had about 275 people that responded back to us that they wanted to be part of the alliance, understanding that it was all volunteer and everything else. There's no guidelines, there's no board of directors, there's nothing going on. Right. Uh, but what, what happened was we were able to get that together. We then, I gave the presentation to the, the governor directly because he happens to be a customer of one of our other businesses. And from that presentation that we presented, he said to his team, why aren't you more active with the health and fitness industry? And he actually pro, he actually got involved and we then had a voice that we were talking weekly with the governor's office. Um, and so that, that's the way we put together the alliance. Uh, we also then asked the, the governor to give us his team for a half hour and we had a Zoom call with 297 people and they represented the industry. We had them all on mute uh, so the governor's team could talk because everyone was very frustrated at that time. 
And after that Zoom call, they spoke for a half hour. I opened up the, um, the phone to everybody in the call. A lot of frustration going on, but we said, let's give us another week and a half to get this place open. Right. And we did. And uh, so uh, that's how we got it started. I, there's no money. No, there was no cost. We, we, it was just a lot of time. But yeah. I think you can do it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that overview, Ed. And how was your experience the same and yet different? I would say our experience in Michigan in most ways was totally different, actually. The, uh, in mid-April, I mean, we were shut down March 16th. And in mid-April, um, I had a conversation with Brian kind of asking where the voice for the health and fitness industry in Michigan was at. And, you know, basically it was non-existent and partially because there are larger size health clubs, little boutiques, you know, independent business owners, mostly viewed as competition. So they historically didn't work together. So I started with lobbyists that I was using to start making uh, inroads or at least attempting to make inroads with the governor's office and quickly found out that our governor wasn't at that time interested in talking to anybody. She was doing it her way, um, very controlled, very, very close to the chest and wasn't granting anybody any opportunity to talk about anything. So Brian started reaching out to some of the other brands in Michigan, Powerhouse, Orange Theory, Burn Fitness, <clears throat> F45, and decided to create an association. And so because of my background um, and the lobbyists that I was working with with other organizations, we actually formed, um, we hired an attorney, we created bylaws, we created a due structure, we created a board of directors, uh, we started soliciting memberships, and we went about it very methodically creating you know, an, an organization. It took us from our formation in May 15th until September 9th to actually be able to be open, but there was a lot of work that was done with actually two lobbyists, a PR firm, um, a lot of, you know, phone calls, you know, donations uh, to, you know, different caucuses and trying to maneuver to understand what it would take in our particular state. And to our credit, when the announcement was made on September 9th or on September 6th that we could open, um, we were actually part of the press release. The Michigan Fitness Club Association is now recognized as the voice for the health and fitness industry in Michigan. And it was because we didn't sue, you know, we played by the rules, you know, we, we used our lobbyists and our personal connections to kind of navigate the waters. And with our governor, um, you know, she has her, you know, thoughts and feelings and there's no playbook on how to handle this pandemic. Um, so we navigated uh, and learned how to work with her. And now since we've been open, we actually have started conversations with her director of uh, health services to discuss at an appropriate time how to already start undoing some of the restrictions that are placed on the clubs. Yep, thank you, Ed. Appreciate that. Uh, Blair, can you add something about y'all's development for people? Yeah. So um, what we went we went really fast. We just. Uh, had a lot of help. One of the things I really want to point out is just how much these alliances have, have uh, helped each other. Uh, you'll notice a lot of similarity in some of the uh, websites. That's because people are just paying it forward. I think this is a, a very pay it forward culture. And so if you're thinking about forming an alliance, um, you should reach out to those that have done it. And they've been very eager to help as has uh, our alliance uh, to help others. We did set up a 501c6, uh, got a board of nine, um, created some subcommittees to represent boutiques, to represent more of the court sports, uh, you know, the facilities that were just tennis and that. Uh, we found out that there was different engagement for uh, different members of Governor Inslee's uh, policy advisors, different people that we had to talk to to get inroads. Um, once we learned those paths, we went with the same approach to be as helpful as possible when Governor Inslee, two, uh, week and a half ago was to do his press conference to announce the movement in our phase 1.5 counties. I was asked to be on the press conference with him. Uh, that got changed at the last minute because of our air quality and it was all about forest fires and still is in the Pacific Northwest right now. So we were able to also be included in the press release. So I got to write part of that press release. And I think this is what Ed's saying. 
I think was is really important. They now, you know, say Washington Fitness Alliance. So you become an entity and a trusted source of information, and uh, and and we're respected uh, because of of how we have uh, handled ourselves. Assertive, it's certainly been assertive. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we have a seat at the table here, a trusted seat at the table to have conversations as as things change and probably start moving into some kind of licensing and regulation. And I'll keep saying this, which I'm not opposed to. I think that's something that's hurt us a lot in this industry is that healthcare facilities are licensed. And, you know, if, if I'm going to do somebody's nails, I have to have a license yet. I don't have to have one. Uh, to do a health club, and I am—I think that's something we should lean into and get out ahead of, and make sure that our industry is involved in those conversations, and it's not just a handful of bureaucrats sitting in your state capital deciding what that licensing process should be like and what the standards are going to be. Right. No, I agree with that, Blair. That that probably needs to be at a national level as opposed to a state level, just to to bring a little clarity around that. And uh, yeah, that's something we're, you know, we're definitely looking at uh, from the URSA board perspective and uh, the operations in our future of that probably is a path we need to go down. I mean, truly our industry has really been fighting that forever. Uh, right. and I think that's kind of come back to shoot us in the foot a little bit here and the situation we're in. So we need to take a different tact. I, I agree with that. Bill, what about uh, the alliances that you're involved with? Any anything you want to add around that? Yeah, I mean, we're we have clubs involved in different ones as far as just being members and contributing. Um, but you know, Francesca in California, she was heavily involved with the governor's office. Um, she was on a roundtable with the governor. I felt like they were making progress. I felt like they were getting some traction and had an audience. Um, and yet, it didn't happen. We got shut back down, and um, and so. The California Fitness Alliance is now in a position where um, they are trying, they being the leadership, us being, me being a member with them, um, a a PR campaign um, and a potential lawsuit um, with regard to, you know, 10% capacity is ridiculous. Um, And so um, tried to work within the system, tried to have rational conversations, tried to give, standards that would be reasonable and expectable expected um and basically it fell on deaf ears and based on bureaucrats not understanding our industry and putting us into that retail uh disposable income recreational category versus an essential business and um from my very first meeting with with california fitness alliance you know our message doesn't need to be let us open if we do xyz it needs to be we're an essential business because of all the issues in society um so i think the message has got to be twofold uh i am 100 percent in agreement with blair mccainy um that happens you know um you know like a stop clock twice a day um but we do need to have more standards and regulations. When I first started on our support, I was I, I led the standards committee. I'm a big believer that if we give the standards ourselves and hold ourselves to a higher level, um, we'll have credibility with politicians, media, and consumers, and, and we need to go in that direction. Uh, my challenge with the with the um, state alliances is coordination with URSA and with each other they're doing a great job i think of sharing with each other to blair's point and and they are having conversations and doing a great job with ursa or or a good job with ursa i'm not sure the level of that but but california now has five lobbyists running around i think ursa might have two in california uh two of the major uh national companies each have their own lobbyists and now california fitness alliance has lobbyists so we got five lobbyists and and they are talking but they need to be strategically working together. And I think they, they probably are, but that's a lot of lobbyists in one state um, to have them coming from, from four different organizations. And so, um, and, and no knock on California Fitness Alliance. They had a need, they attacked that need. They had conversations with, um, with the other major players, with the California clubs. I was on several calls, at least two calls with URSA and the California Fitness Alliance group. And so, um, but I'm talking about on a macro level. The JCA, representing the JCCs of the country, have a group. The YMCAs have a group. All the national players have a group. URSA's doing its thing. 
Now the state alliances are doing this, their thing. That doesn't even include um, parks and rec, um, church groups, whatever, whatever. So uh, we're too small to be fragmented in our approach to standards and legislation. We're just too small, as we found with URSA tagging on and working with the Restaurant Association and other bigger groups. So we gotta, we gotta come together under the umbrella of a national leadership body. And to me, I think URSA plays that role most likely than anybody else. They've got the skill set, the talent, the history, the expertise, and the and the and the and the breadth of nationwide coverage. So to me, we've got to be thinking locally but acting nationally. And we got to get one umbrella representing movement and activity for our whole whole space. And and I think that means public, private, nonprofit, at, at least when it comes to what makes everything better for, for getting from 20% to, to 50% of the population moving. Bill, yeah. Bill, I, you know, one of the things that uh, you brought up, and we don't, we, the other groups, they have the, um, the 501c3 or whatever you're going to be calling it. Um, the problem that we had in New Jersey was that, going to your point, Bill, everybody wanted to be their own voice. And so they wanted the, the, the chains wanted to be their own voice. The JCCs wanted to be their own voice. The Ys wanted to be their own voice. The governor's office linked to us. They actually used us in press conferences that he'd have. He'd say, I'm very, I'm working with the Alliance. And when we came down to the guidelines, he was working with the Alliance. The, the thing is that we can't, and one of his chief of staff said, would you please do me a favor? Tell everybody in the industry to stop giving me any more information. I don't need any more information. I need to have, you know, you guys need to get your act together. Now, we had a tremendous, Jeff did a phenomenal job and our lobbyists did a phenomenal job and they linked to us because I think they felt comfortable with us. And I think that's the key. You don't have to be threatening. You don't have to be, it doesn't do us any good to threaten. I love the fact, let's sue and then we sue and then we win and then we get guidelines that we can't live with. So I think we gotta be careful here and we didn't sue and we never decided to sue, but. We have to remember that the guidelines get determined after the lawsuit. So you don't, you know, I think we've got to be careful in how we approach it. But um, I really think that we actually got everything we wanted except one thing. And that was the group exercise area. Uh, we have to go 200 square feet per person. I think that they're doing that with you, Blair, in, in Washington or someplace, right? Okay. But I, I think that going to states that are smaller, and New Jersey is a big state, but it's it's kind of small in in, in in taking a look at California, Michigan, in the way our, uh, we operate. But I think that you can do it in, in South Dakota, you could do it in New Jersey, and it may not be so complicated, but you do have to have one voice. And you do have to get together. And that one voice is better than a thousand other voices that are separate. You know, so that's the key. And I, that's all, if I had to say one thing on all the calls I've been on on state alliances, you got to get together. So we did get the wise to start listening to us and and not have a separate voice, you know. So that's the key. And I I, I don't know if a, you know Ursa can do it by themselves, but it's got to be Ursa. It's got to be MFA. It's got to be Y YMCA's. It's got to be JCCs. Then we're powerful. Uh, but being by itself, I think we we limit our power. Well, yeah, I'm sure Ursa's preaching to the choir for sure. Um, but I appreciate, uh, yeah, your comments around that. And that's exactly what we're hearing from the different states. You know, we, everyone sort of has the ultimate outcome that's the same, but their message points are slightly different enough where the powers that be see them as not being the same voice. And so collectively, we do have to sort of come together and multiply our efforts. And I want to give Jeff a, a chance to weigh in on the lobbyists. People kind of talked a little bit about lobbyists, Jeff, and you know, their effectiveness and the number of lobbyists in each state, you know, how best can we make sure, even if there's multiple lobbyists in one state, that they're working together? So, I, I mean, I think sort of tying into Bill's, to Bill's point, um, coordination is key. Um, more lobbyists is not necessarily duplicative if they're bringing different things to the table or different relationships and can open different doors. Um, this is kind of an interesting, you know, that this COVID uh, pandemic situation is kind of an interesting uh, case study, if you will, in that depending on what state you are in, um, you know, the there are limits to what lobbying could achieve. 
Um, I think that's something that we really saw uh, that's particularly true, I think, in Michigan, in New Jersey, New York is another state. Um, California lobbying was very effective initially when the second spike came up. Uh, you know, one of the big champions that was sort of in that room was uh, Dr. Angel, I believe, stepped down from public health. You had a change in who was inside the room making decisions with the governor, and, um, and that really shifted in terms of how uh, you know, how effective lobbying could be. So um, this is, you know, maybe not, not the, the best case study to take forward on how lobbying will work. But I, I do agree. I think we can, if we can get more coordination, and I think that's something somewhere where URSA can help more coordination between groups, we shouldn't have five or six different messages going around that that's, a big problem and and a, a real struggle and something that we're trying to work to streamline. Um, but more lobbyists in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Um, but we but just they got to be kind of singing from the same song sheet. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. No, I was just saying. You know, they they just need to be you know following the same strategy and and there needs to be coordination in in what they're doing and and know right. that what what actions they're taking are complementing each other as opposed to um, you might have two or three groups that are coming in that are sort of on the same page. And I think this happened in some states and in another group that no one else is even aware of sort of coming in from from a, a side door that that had a totally different message and, and it just confuses everything. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to come to you, Ed, and then I'm going to come to Blair. I just want to throw one comment out. It just rings in my ears right now. You know, what we need is we need mavericks in the industry, right? People that are willing to get out front and help blaze new trails. But what we don't need is renegades. <laughs> There's a big difference between being a maverick and a renegade, and we need to get the, the mavericks uh, pulling in the same direction. Go ahead, Ed. But I was going to uh, comment, and it's been mentioned or at least touched on, is a, is a couple of different things. One, <clears throat> Being a relatively new person in the industry, I was kind of surprised at how bad an image our industry has and how we're, forget being viewed as non-essential, we're being viewed as a problem, right? And so part of our efforts in Michigan were to start to change that message. And I know that Planet Fitness and URSA are looking at PR campaigns too and Lifetime Fitness to start changing the image of the industry, which I think is really important. And if you look at the comorbidities, I mean, you know, obesity is like number two in terms of underlying conditions for people that end up in ICU and unfortunately expire, you know, from COVID-19. We have a tremendous message that we're part of the solution people, right? right. And, and we have worked very, very hard here in Michigan to hammer that point that, you know, exercise was off 48% once, you know, we had the shutdown. And, you know, we live in Michigan. There are days it's over 100 degrees and there's days it's below zero. You can't exercise outside all the time, right? So showing, we, we've taken several of um, centers and, and uh, Congress people through our gyms to show them what it looks like with all of the new PPP, PPE, you know, uh, the spacing, the plexiglass, the signage, the, you know, the electrostatic guns. And, and people are amazed. They walk in they're like, oh, I haven't been in a gym in 20 years. I had no idea. Right. So I, we, we have a whole you know, image thing we need to, to work on. And right. in terms of the, the national versus the state level, it, it needs to be coordinated on both levels. I agree. But I don't think a lot of people, if you're not involved in politics, don't understand the difference and don't understand you know, politics 101. Right. So we have lobbyists who are very effective and know what they're doing. But when you're in a pandemic and there's no rule book, you know, and, and the governors are fighting with, you know, Washington, you know, the old rules go out the window. And just because you've elected somebody and you have this expectation because you're a business owner and you have a big ego and you're used to people answering your phone and, and talking to you and you can't get an audience with, you know, the administration, it's, it's amazing how people's egos get deflated really quick, right? So I think there's also an education for all these people that are on the phone with us today to learn and understand and appreciate the process. It's a very slow process. And, and we have to be in it for the long haul. If you're not in it for the long haul, we're gonna lose. 
Yep, great advice, Ed. That's a whole nother webinar, perhaps, is really just breaking down how the lobbyist uh, system works or doesn't, because a lot of it comes down to the relationship. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's right. Blair, I'm sorry to keep you on hold there for so long, buddy. No, not at all, not at all. I, I think one of the one of the points Ed made right there, like the, the processes are a lot different and they're brand new to them too. Right, so whatever process was in place before, in as we come into this pandemic and everything gets shut down and people are trying to figure stuff out so they can get restarted again, they're scrambling to get different process put in place that was different than the processes, you know, pre-COVID. -pre Some of the people on Governor Inslee's team were from Department of Energy and, you know, uh, the uh, um, health department certainly, and the health department, you know, folks had most of the over most of the uh, oversight. But the task force was put together from multiple departments, and uh, and you know they were, frankly, uh, you know very engaged with us during this. One one thing I want to point out about lobbyists too, that you might look at as you're standing up an alliance. You, your board is made up of operators and people that have a lot of stuff to do. A lot of these lobbyists can come on and be the administrative site. Or, I'm sorry, the administrative side of your alliance and be the ones that set up the agenda and hold the weekly meetings and make sure things are moving forward. You can hire them to do that. There are those groups out there that do that. And that's what we're looking at because at some point, if, if we got to test the energy of these alliances, right? I mean, if the, if the energy and the, and the momentum around these alliances are the people that put them together and the urgency for because of COVID-19, and if that goes away, these, uh, you know, then we're going to test, you know, we got to see if these alliances can sustain themselves. And I think part of that is you really need to look at the administrative side of what you're doing and get something in place that's sustainable. Because right now, me doing the administrative side of the Washington Fitness Alliance is like a bad idea on at every single level, right? I mean, meetings are ad hoc and, you know, so I think if you're looking at an alliance, I think there's some ways to set up the admin side. Well, that's a great segue, Blair, into uh, Maria uh, and Pam, because that's what they're trying to do is really offer this uh, extended, you know, information. So some of you are sharing, but it also depends, you know, if I know Kevin, maybe I'll co call Kevin, but if I don't know Ed, I'm probably not going to call Ed to get the information. And what Ursa has been doing is collaborating with all the different groups now, so that's all going into a shared space. And uh, Maria has been working with her team on developing, I know you mentioned the playbook, but can you tell anybody, for people that may not be familiar with that term, so what would they find in the playbook that you're contributing to the URSA uh, database? Yeah, definitely. So within the playbook, again, this was kind of based off of the conversations that our team has had with um, some of the original founders of those state alliances, but what we're trying to achieve with the playbook is to provide a, um, a comprehensive document where people who want to either go and find out if their state has an alliance or, or if they you know, want to look into organizing their own alliance, a document where they have kind of almost like a three-step process of the things that they need to do from um, the common pitfalls they need to avoid. So Blair, I think in our webinar, you mentioned perfection. Perfection is the enemy. You just kind of need to get it started. Don't worry about making every single thing perfectly in line. So thinking about those and then going into step two, which is, you know, organizing your advisory board, deciding what type of a group you're going to be, if you're going to be a loose alliance or a lobbying alliance. And then finally, step three, which is kind of um, the what I think is kind of the biggest step is just communicating, communicating with your membership, whether that's individuals, whether that's partner members, suppliers, um, how to keep them up to date with what you're doing and how to keep your community and your state as a whole up to date with um, what you're achieving. So that's kind of the aim of the playbook is to put together one comprehensive resource so that um, we don't have to keep going to individual state alliances to try and get emails about that. So just making it more efficient. Right. So Pam, I know that Maria's uh, forwarded that and uh, Ursa may have uh, added to it. And then there's a whole lot of other resources beyond that. Can you talk about the toolkit that's available to the alliances through Ursa and also where they will find these examples of things that are available? Absolutely, yeah. We, we really feel like Ursa can be the aggregator for both the alliances that exist and, and the alliances that are coming on and really try to help 
the alliances that exist by being a sort of a clearinghouse of information, share the information so you can focus on what you need to be doing and not playing tutor necessarily to the new alliances that are coming on. So uh, this week we did release the uh, how to run a fitness alliance in your state and that has all kinds of checklists, templates, fact sheets, data reference tools, you know, a lot of the uh, information we've put together um, so people can use that as a, a source when they're building their alliance. Uh, another thing that we did this week is we released two charts. One has all the state guidelines um, for each state on what clubs need to know and also the mass mandates um, for each state. So we're constantly adding, you know, we don't look at this as a static um, thing. We look at it as an ever-growing uh, source of information. We're putting together shared drives so people can download the information. And uh, like we talked about, we've been working with, with Maria now and Club Automation on how do we take what they've done and and pull it all together and, and use it as a resource. And, you know, the truth is, is these state alliances are, are being run by volunteers and everybody's spread really thin right now, everywhere. So, you know, however we can help consolidate, bring the information together and be, you know, a one true source for the information, um, you know, to help is, is what we're looking to do. And in addition to that, uh, Pam, just to be clear that uh, all the people represented on the call that are running alliances, all the ones that are out there are represented on that website. So the contact information, the name of the alliance, who the leaders are, the contact information is there. So not only is Ursa kind of collaborating and putting it all best practices together, but they're also just giving here's the information so you can find those people if you'd like to seek them out directly. Yeah, we're, we're creating that alliance page and looking for ways we can promote your stories, what you're doing. Uh, we still are missing some information from some of the alliances. So if you don't see yourself there, um, contact me and I'll make sure it gets up to date right away. And then, you know, we're also looking at how can we tell the stories of the successes that, that the alliances are having. All right. So let's segue to a little more direct advice for people that are initially starting their alliances or maybe they're in the middle of it. So from those of you that are really running the alliances, would you share maybe three or four Man, if I had to give you three or four tips about putting together and maintaining an alliance, what would those be? And maybe I'll start with you, Ed. Uh, you need to have at least one, you need to have a, a diverse board, but you need to have one person on that board who has somewhat of an anal personality and kind of can keep everything in track and in order and, and keep people focused. I think that's very important. Um, you're gonna need a funding source because, you know, some point it's going to cost you money um, and so you can decide what that means um, and I personally believe in the the benefit of a, a lobbyist so um, whether they are working on your behalf in the, the state capitol or in DC or they're acting as Blair pointed out um, your back office uh, I would say that they, they come in very handy okay Great. And uh, just a clarifying question from the audience uh, in the chat. Ed, they're saying, when you're reaching out to get members for your alliance, is that primarily through phone calls, email, social media, or all the above? Um, all the above. Initially, we focused on a core group that we personally called. Um, so, so we had a, you know, a base. Uh, and then we, from there, we did do an email blast to an email list that we had. And, and we've also used social media, but we did it the old fashioned way first. Get get your core through phone. Right, okay, great, thank you. Kevin? Well, I I um, I think that the, we wouldn't say anal, we would say positively, uh, the, per, the, the team has to be positively relentless because you're getting those all day long. So so I would say that you gotta get, you know, it's, it's like a sales pitch. Uh, you have to get nine no's before you get the yes. When you're dealing with government, you've got to you've got to figure out that that's probably 19 to get to one at 20. So, uh, so you just have to be relentless, positively, um, and not th their day. For example, they may be, you may be thinking you're the most important thing, and they have another thing on the agenda that happens to be state highways. So they're they're all focused on state highways. They're not just focused on you. But when I take a look at the state alliance and, and what we talked about, this 
that our state alliances are always been set up because we need something. We need them to not tax us. We need them to reopen us. If we want power, we've got to be that, we've got to be doing something that's different. Now, when I when we were talking to them, they, they say, oh yes, you take care of your 18% or 20% of the population that come to your club. What do you, you know, our alliance should be about the other 80%. And so we should be the leaders in the industry saying, yeah, we know the underserved are in the cities and we're not located in the cities, but we're going to put a team together and we're going to we're going to address inner city diabetes with the underserved population. And multi, we, you can you can take your alliance and say, OK, this person, you lead this area. You've got Patterson, New Jersey. You've got Newark, New Jersey. And now you're going back to your legislators and now you are the good guy and you have outcomes and results that say you are making a difference. If we're only going to them with this alliance threatened to sue or or just all, every time we need you to do something for us, we need to be doing something before they ask us. And we need to be, if we are really the health and fitness industry, we're about 100% of the people, maybe 20% belong to our clubs, but virtually now we can deliver that. And we've got great clubs in every state that can lead that with other clubs that may wanna follow. But I really think our alliance should be about how do we make a difference in the state of New Jersey and making people's lives better, not just the members, but the people that are underserved. I think you have a whole different listening to being closed down or open by your legislators and your governor. So I'll just throw that out. And I, I think that. I think you're right on Kevin, for sure. And that's one of our fears actually, uh, that we've talked about at URSA among ourselves is we hope these alliances will stay together and realize the benefit long-term. So um, everybody's got a kind of common goal and a common enemy right now, which is we got to get it open. Then we got to get the guidelines that we want. And then we've already seen some of the alliances sort of waning once they've got the reopening thumbs up, right? Um, but there's so much more work to do long term, just as you suggest. Um, Blair, go ahead. Yeah, I want to uh, pile on what Kevin said and then get back to a couple of practical advice things. So the reporters that I've been talking to an awful lot lately just start to realize just how um, misinterpreted our industry is. And when talking about people coming in to exercise, the assumption is that it's the fit that go to the, that, that are in the fitness industry and they can find dumbbells at home and they have other ways to exercise. While I'm sitting here and I'm looking at my 92 year old dad who was coming into the gym every day, I'm looking at that population that is frankly, everybody has said is at risk. And the huge number of people that we serve that over 65 years old that went and had to stay at home while there's inclement weather and certainly up in our neck of the woods now, air quality that is horrible. And I'm looking at and getting emails from those people that are deteriorating. And I'll bet everybody on this call had that same sort of thinking. Like we're all sort of thinking that, but media is not. Media is saying, well, you guys are just a bunch of fit people that go in there, you're gonna be okay. That's not, and our industry has gone so far the other way. The other thing that I think has been overlooked in this whole thing is that we got dragged into this because at the beginning of this lockdown, it was all about touch surfaces. And where are there more touch surfaces by more different people than the fitness industry? That was it. When it moved to aerosols, we never got pulled back over that threshold, even though we have the best HVAC systems in the world, probably in retail to handle that. So we still got stuck back here in this idea about touch surfaces. Um, from a practical standpoint, one of the first things that somebody asked us when I said, we're the Washington Fitness Alliance, they said, thank you, do you have a website? Like, you, they, you need to be a thing, right? <laughs> I, I would say, hurry up, stand up your website, go select a few people to the board, Ed, exactly, we did the same thing. We called the people that we knew would be influential where you have relationship capital, said, want you on the board, mm -hmm. right? So we got that done quickly. Then we went out and we just invited people to become a member by going on there and becoming a partner by taking a pledge and signing up without any cost. And now that we have about 300, now we're looking at how we're gonna monetize that. And then, and then on top of that, you know, you've had you know, Club Automation jumped in right away. There were some others that jumped in right away. I do wanna say this to all of us out there in these alliances. We need to be very respectful of our vendors' balance sheets. We need to do that as a, as a collective. You know, we're, we expect everybody to respect our balance sheets. We need to do the same thing and be very careful as we end up with 50 lines. Yep, good, good comments. Okay, Bill, practical advice for those out there. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, pick up the phone and be inclusive. Like, don't just do the big players in your market. You know, work the phones. Um, you know, successful leaders, fundraisers, subscribe models. You know, work the phones. So call every everybody in your market. Make everybody feel included. You know, don't just have the big players start it out and then reach out to the small players just for the check. You know, make sure the small players feel like their voice matters and is important because it does. We're still two thirds independent um, in our industry. Um, that that would be the the practical advice. Um, you know, have humility. Um, our industry's always worked well with competitors. You know, but some markets have more fierce competitors than others. So check the competition at the door. We're all in this together. You know, rising tide raises all boats. So reach out to everybody. Be humble. Let's focus on on what we're trying to do to make the industry better for now with the urgent fight and to your broader point, Brent. You know, ongoing. Right. Yeah, exactly right, Bill. Well, I appreciate uh, everyone's insight. What What have I not asked you that you really feel like we need to make sure is addressed uh, related to setting up these alliances? I'll throw that out to the entire group. But first, Pam, we've got quite a few people that are uh, asking on the chat. How do they get uh, access to the information on the URSA website? Can you give them the website address and then navigate it for them a little bit? I'll tell you what. Have them uh, email me podpod at ursa.org and I'll take them through it. Okay, and but there is the link on the ursa.org website, right? There is uh, the link. Um, yes, it's ursa.org backslash state dash alliances is where we have the listing of, of the state alliances that we okay. know of now. Yep, thanks for sharing your, uh, your email with everyone out <laughs> there. Uh, we'll, uh, <laughs> I have no idea what I just got myself into. That's right. That's I right. look forward to talking like to, to a bunch of people. I'd like to give everybody Blair McKinney's personal cell phone number. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to type that in in the chat up here. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, so we have about uh, nine minutes left. Any parting advice from any and every one of you uh, that we might share before we sign off here in about nine minutes? Go ahead, Bill. I just, uh, I think we've got a you know, hug and love and respect and thank our manufacturers in our industry, our suppliers. Um, a lot of the suppliers are stepping up and making donations to uh, to these state alliances. Um, I won't I won't name the, the ones in, in California right now because I don't want to leave anybody out. Um, but if you're if you're a, a big supplier and you're involved in helping support your your customers in this fight in our industry. Um, they got to, you know, the ones that are donating are donating to all of them. They're not just donating to one or two. And and so that's a big, that's a big step up. So, um, you know, I know Brent, how much you respect and appreciate the suppliers in the industry, especially with what you're um, navigating, you know, um, with your new role. Um, but, you know, let's not take our suppliers and manufacturers for granted in, in the combined industry fight and, uh, you know, to protect and promote the industry. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the perfect example is again today everyone on this call is donating and volunteering their time to be here all of these uh, ladies and gentlemen are wanting the best for the industry but we still need uh, the suppliers as well and unscreen has sponsored the session today which allows us all uh, to be here and do all the work behind the scenes from the admin people and the technology people to make it happen so uh, from unscreen through the rest of the suppliers absolutely right bill someone else uh, with a parting thought Oh, go ahead. Which go one ahead. of us? Me? Okay. All right. Well, I just I just want to say over the years, uh, a lot of times we've had heard the comment, I don't have to join ARSA, you're going to do this anyway. Uh, and that is tough stuff to hear. So this is my message more to the club operators out there, not so much the state alliances. Um, you know, we have to get beyond this thinking. The only, you know, ARSA needs you, the state alliances need you. And there is so much potential and opportunity for our industry to come out with a stronger, broader, more inclusive feel and really be truly serving everybody's uh, people and their health benefit, you know, their health. So, you know, we're here to collaborate. We want to hear from you. Um, but we, you know, Ursa's tagline is success by association. And it, it's, it can't be truer than it is now if we're going to really 
change the way our industry is perceived and what we're doing. So this is the message to all of you out there. Don't, don't sit around and wait for everybody else to do it for you. You have to be part of the solution. Right. Okay, Maria, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, if I could piggyback off of what Pam said and um, basically add two quick thoughts. Um, so first of all, I really want to reach out and encourage you know, partner suppliers, industry experts to, to support these alliances um, by empowering them, by using the platforms that we have available to us to amplify their message and to rally support for that cause. Fitness is healthcare and fitness is essential. Um, we're strong believers that the recovery of the fitness industry and, and you know, big picture, the nation as a whole is really contingent on the success of these state fitness alliances. So um, just wanna say, you know, get involved reach out to your state fitness alliance see if there's a way that you can help whether by being member donation using webinars whatever works for you because the importance of these alliances it it cannot be emphasized enough and they really need us now more than ever um, and the other thing that i want to pull in here just coming from a background that ranges all the markets i think um ed you touched on this the diversity of the membership and we kind of spoke about this a little bit in terms of the long term um, potential of these fitness alliances, the wealth of knowledge, the great brain that they can bring together through the diversity of their membership is something that's powerful now and something that's going to be even more powerful in the coming months and years and something that will just provide our members and our community with a better experience, which is what is our goal in general going forward. So. Right. Yeah, well Thank said. You. Thank you, Maria. Yeah. Go ahead, yes. uh, Kevin. Yeah, I, I think that if I take a look at this call, and I've, I've probably attended 85 to 90 percent of all the of these of these uh, calls on uh, like today, Thank and you. then the other ones that are done by MotionSoft and other ones that are done by others, but it really showed one thing that we're there's no more competition. That that word competition is over. You can't be in competition with the club across the street from you. We're all in this together, and and they have a different model. You have a different model. The health, the, the YMCA's have a different model. It's you, there's not competition anymore. You you have to work together. You all have your own differentiators, and it's the time has passed us to be so segmented. And I think COVID, if it did one good thing, it brought the industry really close together. And I'm I'm hoping that that stays. I think it's very positive. I think it'll 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 accelerate our growth. And to your point, Pam. We're seeing much more value because we've been so entrenched in it. We've been closed for 180 days. What are we doing? We're talking to everybody. We're learning what they're doing. We're learning best practices. We didn't do that five years ago, three years ago, or even on March 16th. You know, I, I'm part of Rex, and we would do it with our 300 Rex clubs or 400 Rex clubs, but now we're doing it with thousands. So I, I just, you know, as you were saying, Pam, we we share uh, our emails, we share our cell phones. We never would have done that back before COVID. And, and we're, we're a organization, whether you're in URSA, but we're a, we really are a group of very diversified people who have a brain trust of knowledge. And when we put it together, your small club across the street, they can be just as smart as a big club. And we just have to tap into everybody. So that, that would be my lesson there. Yeah, you know, this, uh, not to interject, because y'all are really the stars of the show, not me, but, uh, this whole webinar is a great example of that, right, Kevin? I mean, it was not that long ago, you wouldn't have heard Club Solutions, Rex Executive Roundtables, and URSA and DAXCO in the same sentence together, partnering right. to put on something like this and then have, you know, club members and suppliers and lobbyists uh, all on the same call. So we're, we're trying to do that at URSA as well, and we're committed to being more inclusive at virtually every level and in everything we do. Uh, I want the audience to hear that as well. Ed, you had a comment, and then I'll go to Blair. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's kind of been said, but there there's strength in numbers, and you know we can still be competitors, and yet you know you rise to the higher level for what's for the good of the industry. Well said, Blair. Um, when you're putting together your alliance, and Bill was making the point, just don't don't look just at the really big guys. That can be very helpful to have the really big guys but they also really listen to the small business story. So when you are representing, you know, boutiques and people that have, have their, you know, personal guarantees on their loans and leases, that's a powerful story to tell. 
So I think it is really important to have everybody involved and make sure you're telling the story of the small businesses that make up this industry within your state. Okay. Uh, and Jeff, uh, from the government government affairs representation of uh, URSA, do you have any parting words for the audience? I think you know my my key parting words are I know everyone's laser focused on staying open, and that's absolutely number one with a bullet critical right now. But as Ed, Bill, and others have and Blair have all touched on at different points, the value of these alliances is really it's not just now, it's moving forward. We've all seen in different ways how relationships open doors in a lot of different uh, scenarios, not just in political ones. And these alliances are really an opportunity to help build those relationships in each of the states, maintain them, make sure they're healthy and they're green. And um, it, it's gonna, it, it's not just for the next crisis, it will help in so many different ways. Um, that it's absolutely worth the effort and um, just really encourage people, you know, when you think about standing up an alliance, if you haven't done it yet, you know, really start thinking about it as something that's, that's you want to be lasting and long-term so we can really get this industry fully engaged and, and in the game. Perfect. Well, again, it was a really big panel today and I, I think all of you added uh, a unique perspective and something for our audience to take away. So I appreciate it very, very much you volunteering all of your time. Uh, thank you audience for joining us once again. Uh, we're, we're continuing every week and uh, hopefully we'll continue to stay relevant and informative and educational and move things forward. So thank you again. Thanks to uh, Unscreen again for sponsoring today's session. And we'll see all of you next week, once again, on Wednesday afternoon. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.